Okay. Wait up, wait up. Guys, 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 hold on a sec. You know what I was thinking might be sort of fun? Is if you forgave me in front of everybody. Michael, I'm not going to do that. Because you know what they say in the Bible about forgiveness? Forgiveness is next to godliness. Oh, that's not that's Well, just, just, just... You imp- cracked my pelvis. Look, I just... I don't understand what is preventing you from laughing this off and giving me a big hug. You are not forgiven. Come on. Michael! 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 Michael. Michael. Um, Michael Scott and the employees of Dunder Mifflin are the epitome of the I Can Relate series. Uh, Eric and I have watched this show so many times, it's concerning how much I can quote from it. And I think the reason I love it the most is because we know these characters. They are in our relationships at work, they are in our family, and we encounter them on a daily basis. They just happen to be a little bit more exaggerated, and it can be very true of ourselves at times. Today we're wrapping up our I Can Relate series, which hopefully gave us some insight on how to better our relationships in our lives rather than let them fizzle out and wonder what happened. The Bible helped us map out some roadblocks that can stand in our way like judgment, not encouraging others, forgetting to be there for each other, And of course, they let me tackle the super easy one today, forgiveness. There are many times in my life, and I'm sure many more, that I'm going to have to deal with forgiveness. And one of them was in our marriage. After we moved into our current house five years ago, um, you know, you always have these projects that you'd like to do around your home. And for one of them, for me, was these sparkly white rocks that lined all of our flower beds. And I just didn't want to look at them anymore. So I didn't necessarily know what to do with them. Um, And we live next to this empty field that has this gravel path. And so I thought it would be a good idea just to kind of take all these rocks, put them in the wheelbarrow, but in the cover of darkness, okay? Um, I would just then dump them daily into that gravel area, rake them out. I just didn't leave it. I didn't want it to be completely obvious. Um, And so I would do that. And so by Saturday, I've done this over the course of the whole week, Um, I was on my last pile, and I left it in the wheelbarrow um, by the flower bed when I was finished. And when we were going, uh, getting ready to go out for dinner, Eric decided um, that we were going to take our 1955 Chevy Bel Air, okay, that had been in his family since he was five years old. And as he was pulling out of the garage, there was this loud screeching noise Uh, that went through the air, and my heart went to my stomach, and um, I knew immediately what had happened. The wooden handles of the wheelbarrow had about 50 pounds of rocks in it, so it did not move. Um, They just, it was just just a little bit over the edge of the driveway, and um, it scratched a complete line along the passenger side of the car, completely denting it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yes, so it wasn't a super fun dinner that evening. Um, the waitress was probably concerned about the amount of sheer uh, tears shed over my tacos, and forgiveness just kind of was tiptoeing around that evening. And Eric knew that I did not leave it there on purpose, and I apologized repeatedly for leaving that wheelbarrow out. And Eric had always wanted to paint the car, but financially, I mean, we never could afford that. So long story short, because the paint was vintage and there was just no way um, to fix this issue um, in that current painting situation, the whole thing ended up being covered by our car insurance, okay? So once I knew that there was a little light at the end of the tunnel, I turned to Eric and I said, you're welcome, all right? (laughs) So whether this morning you are dealing with a wheelbarrow scratch car or a heavily dented soul, forgiveness, it is so hard. In biblical times, if someone wronged you, you would forgive them once and that was it. No more chances. They were cut off from any more forgiveness. So Matthew chapter 18, Peter came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Peter is actually trying to be very lenient with his current culture. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, before you start doing the math in your head, let me tell you that totals to 490 times. But Jesus' point to Peter was not that 490 is the limit. He wanted to seem like it is unreachable. It is never ending. And to help his listeners and us understand forgiveness, he wanted to share a simple story known as a parable, which he uses to illustrate the idea of forgiveness and the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say, if you want to understand the kingdom of God, think about a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Just as the king began to get his accounts in order, his assistants called his attention to a slave who owned a huge sum of money, what a laborer might make in 500 lifetimes. The slave, maybe an embezzler, had no way to make restitution, so the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, and everything that the family owned be sold on the auction block. The proceeds from the slave sale would go toward paying the king back. And upon hearing this judgment, the slave fell down, prostrated himself before the king, and begged for mercy. Have mercy on me, and I will somehow pay you everything. The king was moved by the pathos of the situation. He had compassion. So indeed, he took pity on the servant. He told him to stand up, and then he forgave the debt. The majority of Jesus' teaching were about how he was going to establish his rule and his reign over every aspect of our lives. And it allows us to better understand the culture of the kingdom of God. It's his way and his order that we are learning that here on earth. And this is not because he's sitting up on some high horse and he wants us to follow and obey. It's because of love. He set rules in place for his kingdom because he wants the absolute best for us. Jesus wanted us to know that any amount, any situation could be forgiven. But in our human relationships, it's really hard for us to fully comprehend when there's such hardships, trauma, and horrific situations that come across in our path. 
one person's story that I really love. Her name is uh, Corey Tenboom. She grew up in Holland during World War II, and her and her family, uh, they had the Jewish people come stay inside their home to escape the Nazis. And um, once her family was found out, they were taken into a concentration camp where her sister eventually died. But once the war was over, Corey began telling people about God's love, even in the midst of devastation. In 1947, Corey was in a church in Munich, and she had just finished speaking about God's forgiveness, and that is when she saw him. She writes, The man who was making his way forward had been one of the most cruel guards. The shame of walking naked passed this man, and now he was in front of her, and his hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein, how good it is that you say that our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoke so simply of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No. He didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian, and I know that God has forgiven me from the cruel things that I did there. But I'd like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. And again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven, and I could not forgive My sister Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there. His hand held out, but it seemed to me as hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. Would you supply the feeling? So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I've never known God's love so intensely as I did then. I don't know if I would have been like Corey in that moment. So full of pain because of the person standing right in front of me. However, that is what God asks of us in any relationship. He knows that we need to forgive others, but he also understands that we are human. So that is why Jesus continues on in his story. But the slave went and found a friend, another slave, who owned him about a 100 days' wages. Pay me back that money, shouted the slave, throttling his friend and shaking him with threats and violence. The slave's friend fell down prostrate and begged for mercy. Have mercy on me, and I will somehow pay you everything. But the first slave cackled and was hard-hearted and refused to hear his friend's plea. He found a magistrate and had his friend thrown into prison where, he said, you will sit until you can pay me back. I feel like he needs to say it. Pay me back. All right. As we pause our story there, aren't we typically far more aware of how others do things to us, right? 
than how we act towards them. So from the parable, we are the first slave and God is the king and the amount of debt, our sin in our lives, it is overwhelming, just like Corey's story. Yet God allows that debt to be washed away. The other servant is an example of how God's people, how everyone else has sinned against us. And now, do we have the same compassion for that person? Or do we make them pay for what they have done to us? I see this happen all the time in family dynamics. And as a parent, I can see how my children's emotions amplify in certain situations. And when I asked my friend on her thoughts as a parent about this parable, it made her think about how Peter and we are so much alike. We somehow think that there should be a limit to how many times we have to say we are sorry to make the wounds heal. Her 11-year-old daughter had a moment the other day when she asked her, Mom, why did you even go to college? You don't do anything. Mm. In that moment, she thanks her daughter and thank the Lord for her much-needed restraint in that moment. And after an explanation on how her daughter's words were hurtful, she apologized and she said she was sorry. And then again later and one more time before bed, my friend told her she didn't have to keep on apologizing, that saying it more didn't change the words or the sting. But what would change is knowing that she understood and would think before she spoke again. She hopes that her daughter begins to understand that forgiving someone is an act of grace. And as long as she has the privilege of being mom, they will both be exercising the muscle of forgiveness. So what does forgiveness look like in the context of our relationships? Who has hurt you? Who has uh, just caused so much betrayal in your life? Who's caused you pain? Everyone has been hurt in some way on the spectrum of my friend and her daughter all the way to Corey's situation. Pain is pain, though. And we first need to address it because if not, it just leaves that hurt lodged deep within us. It begins to slowly boil up. It compounds the problem, and you wind up hurting other relationships in your life. My mind thinks like an event planner in checklists, um, timelines. My first job out of college was in the catered events department at the Brookfield Zoo. And any successful party needs the following information. Who, what, when, how, and why, just to start with. And after thinking about it, I felt like this could flesh out our idea of forgiveness and what that looks like for you. So there are a few options on who needs forgiveness. The first would be others. Conflict and differences are inevitable within our relationships. It's how we choose to deal with those differences that count. If there's no conflict whatsoever in your relationship, there's a good chance that possibly someone is holding something back. How many times have we seen a friendship or a family relationship come to an end over something trivial? When others sins against us, It wounds us. It harms our soul. So we need to be able to go to that person if we're able to. Second is ourselves. Matthew 6, 12 says this, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We have to remember sometimes our trespasses come first. 
I know that can be far-fetched, and it just may be possible that you were the one that didn't move the wheelbarrow, okay? But we can be easily blinded by our own sin because it's so much clearer for the other person, right? Or maybe it's not that others have hurt us, but we have made some poor decisions. And those past memories are holding shame over you, and you just can't truly forgive yourself. So who is it that deserves forgiveness in your life? The next is what? What caused the pain or the issue? If you're thinking yourselves, well, we really don't have conflict, think about if you are hiding what's truly going on. You've probably heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. If we have been hurt in our life and it is unresolved, there is so much damage we can do unknowingly to our most treasured relationships just because we have been hurt. Do you want to continue to lead your life like that? And are we willing to continue to put up with that burden and possibly ruin more relationships along the way? When? As soon as possible. At times, we hold tightly to these negative feelings over the years, but we need to forgive as soon as we possibly can. It completely contradicts our human nature. If the responsibility is on us, we shouldn't be afraid of humility and just be quick to confess when we are wrong and we are out of line. I think people appreciate that more instead of pushing the blame onto someone else. And what does our future look like if we don't choose to forgive somebody that's hurt us? It wasn't our choice to be hurt. It wasn't our choice to be hurt. But choosing to heal is our responsibility. Why be tied down and held back from your past hurts? You, don't you want the sense of freedom in your life? Just like the king gave the slave freedom from his burden, Jesus wants the same for you. Allow your burden to rest on him and have the ability to move towards your future. For those in a situation of abuse and personal safety, or if you're falling into depression because of circumstances in your life, we encourage you, find someone, a trusted professional or a friend, to help you walk through this process so you can help yourself as soon as you possibly can. If we have a relationship with Jesus... We should forgive others' transgressions more readily than the world would. And to those looking in, it seems absolutely ridiculous. But remember, we don't play by worldly rules. We play by his kingdom rules. And even though forgiveness is unconditional, trust within our relationships still needs to be earned and built back up. Please hear that. Trust needs to be earned And we need to be able to safeguard our own hearts and our souls. How? When we hit tough times in our relationships, we need to share how it made you feel. How will the other person in the relationship even know? Communicate with them. If we never choose to tell the other person how we really feel and then we stuff all those feelings down deep, they just suddenly disappear? I don't think so. Like Lance said the other week about friendship in our lives, we need to be a safe place for people to wrestle with forgiveness. And I think that is okay. I think God thinks that's okay too. Life is challenging. It is hard to understand why things happen to us. 
because of our humanness, forgiveness is not a quick on and off switch for every single case. We just need to let it all out sometimes. Talk it out, cry it out. I know that's a little bit more of me, but someone in your life needs to be a sounding board to listen to all the things that you say and maybe you shouldn't say. Let's just be a friend that hears, that doesn't try to fix the situation, but simply points us back to Jesus. Why? Forgive because God asks us to and because he decided to forgive us first. Jesus' parable ends as the king hears what the first slave has done to his other friend. And after his generosity to him, he is angered and he says, Surely you would have shown the same charity to a friend who was in debt. The king turned over the unmerciful slave until he should pay his whole debt. And that is what my father in heaven will do to you unless you forgive each of your brothers and each of your sisters from the bottom of your heart. Jesus wasn't known to mince words. This is what the whole parable was all about. God is the king and we represent the first slave in the parable coming to God with every bit of our sin, 500 lifetimes worth our whole life. Imagine it, the king of the universe looking at us, he sees it all. And the world would say, you better forget that one. You don't deserve it. And just throw us in jail. However, in that moment, God has compassion for us. And he says, don't worry about it. It's paid for. And he has allowed us this amazing freedom. Secondly, do we end up like the first slave and don't show mercy to those who have hurt us in our life? We may never fully understand what happened in one person's life to cause them to act so horribly, and most certainly their actions were not right, but we can have compassion for them. They need forgiveness just as much as we do in our own life because we are both slaves to sin, exactly the same in God's eyes. So are there any limits of forgiveness? There are absolutely none in his eyes. It comes down to just one word, grace. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on our own understanding. Our minds are never going to figure out what God has in store. Forgiveness, it is hard. It is a process. It is a refining experience. But we need to trust that the Lord, his intentions, are the best thing that he has in mind for us. I think author Lisa Turkers explained this so well by writing this. I found such comfort in remembering the humanity of Jesus. Yes, his divinity made him perfect and sinless, but his humanity felt the brutal weight of human hurt. He understands loneliness, betrayal, and being devastated by people that he should have been able to trust. He knows what it's like to be lied to, misunderstood, falsely accused, and rejected. Because I know he's felt what I feel, I know I can trust him to lead me through. Can you trust him? He just wants to hear your heart. He wants you to talk to him, wrestle through it, 
and go to trusted people in your life to help you work through it. Let's trust him to lead us through our beautiful, challenging, mixed up, lovely relationships and fill us up with his grace because God understands we're going to need it. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your promises in the Bible that point us back to your truth, that your mercies never cease, that wherever sin grew and spread, God's grace was there fuller. You don't file our sins away. You destroy them. We don't deserve your forgiveness, God. Yet it is unconditional and never-ending. Help us to draw closer to you and help us as we choose daily to forgive ourselves and those who trespass against us. Thank you, God, that your grace wins time and time again. Amen.